This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. And welcome along to episode 122 of the ABZ Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gary Scott. We're back to full strength again this week as I am joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. I'm not bad. I mean, I mean, I feel like I need to report a robbery based on what happened in Paisley today. Not the first time anyone's ever said that, by the way. Oh, Gavin. Oh. That's, that's a personal view. Edgy, edgy stuff. That's, that's my new cat. That's my new character. It's my new gimmick. <laughs> I love it. Um, the edgy one. In a week that saw the frankly disgraceful sacking of Lee Johnson at Hibs, gentlemen, a moment of silence, please, for our build a bear, rent a quote, fallen hero. That is uh, going to be very interesting to see what they do next. Neil Lennon, just for the pure fucking lol. I had a little look. I think Steve Keen's not with them anymore. Because that yeah, would have right. obviously he's, been he's the, the natural successor, but uh, unfortunately that's not going to happen. So uh, Brian McDermott's part of the setup there now. I wouldn't be surprised if they went for Stephen Robinson from St. Mirren. would be my bet. Uh, right I, I, I don't think he'd go there. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. It's a fairly busy one again this week, um, as we're going to take a look back at our 2-2 draw slash robbery with St Mirren in the cinch on Sunday afternoon. We'll check in with the latest news maybe 24 this week. We'll bring you a look at our loanies and loan watch. We'll see how the quines have got on this week. And then after the break, it is another double header preview as we look ahead to Thursday's ginormous return leg with Balclub and Hecken at the Old Lady. And we look forward to our second home league fixture of the season with the visit of Hibs to the northeast. But first, St Mirren 2, Aberdeen 2, Sunday the 27th of August 2023, the Smyza Stadium in the SPFL Cinch Premiership. Two changes to Barry Robson starting 11 from the side that opened up things in Europe on Thursday night. Shaden Morris and Ryan Duncan dropping to the bench. A first start of the season for Angus McDonald and the return of Johnny Hayes. The Dons still in their 3-5-2, but this time with Devlin and Hayes at wingbacks. McDonald anchoring a back three with Rubicic on the right and Mackenzie on the left. And truth be told, boys, there was literally... Fuck all that happened in this game for pretty much the first twenty minutes. So let's just skip over. Let's just skip over it then. Yeah, pretty much. It was pretty boring. Um Bacchus then getting the ball in the net before being flagged and offside. At that point, the home side then began to take control of the game. Roos having to save well from both Taylor and Kilty headers from set plays. Brian Strain then in the book for an outrageous Martin Boyle in the box. Poor Oyasania should have done better as the ball fell to him six yards out by McDonald doing well to block the Dons at this point heading towards halftime with an expected goal of 0.00 with no shots either on or off target at this point but somehow took the lead with three minutes of the half remaining a free kick 
won by Duke off if Taylor was floated harmlessly into the box by Hayes. And it evaded everybody, including goalkeeper Hemmings, who I presume was just having a nap, having had nothing else to do in that first half as the ball nestled in the far corner halftime. St Mirren nil, Aberdeen won. At that point, our expected goals was 0.04 for the afternoon. And all I could think to myself is, if we saw this out to win this 1-0, would that be the lowest possible expected goals to win ratio in history? And I was a way to start looking it up. But I didn't have bothered because in the second half, that pretty much started off as the first had progressed. Saints well on top. They thought they had an equaliser through Kilty on 50 minutes as Roos spilled a shot with Kilty pouncing, but VAR saving the Dons as it showed an offside in the build-up. Hayes off for McGarry in the aftermath before McGrath and Jensen also came on shortly afterwards for McKenzie and Povara. The buddies were level, though, just a couple of minutes later. Strain's effort at a cross-heading, hitting, sorry, McDonald on the elbow. Penalty awarded, Kilty making no mistake from 12 yards. And it was the home side who continued to dominate. They took the lead on 76 minutes with an incisive breakaway following an Aberdeen attack. Madron beating Jensen outside his own box before powering forward and slotting in fellow sub Grieve, who shot past Roos at the near post. Shade the Morris on for Duke in the aftermath of that one. And let's be honest, it looked to all and sundry that this would be a defeat in Paisley to add to our miserable, miserable record at the Smizer. But incredibly, Aberdeen pulled level in the eighth minute of added time. Gogic handling a Clarkson effort in the box and after a lengthy VAR stoppage, a penalty was rightly awarded. But the drama still wasn't over yet. Miofsky slipping with his penalty. The penalty itself went down the middle with a hint of a double hit on it. VAR again having to check that, but with no definitive angle showing there being any foul. The goal stood and the Dons were level. Aberdeen then thought they had another shout at a penalty kick in the last minute. A long throw from Devlin appearing to strike the arm of a St. minute defender, but again, with no clear angle from VAR, it meant it wasn't awarded. The points were shared. On the data front, possession 47% to the home side, 53% to Aberdeen. Shots 13-4. to 4. I'm struggling to think where the four came from, but we'll, we'll think about that later on. Graham's looking incredibly bemused by this, and I don't blame you. Shots on target 6-2, to two, the two being the penalty and the free kick. Expected goals 1.89 to 0.87. Aberdeen's ex- open play expected goals today stuck at that point zero four from the first half. So, boys, um, fair to say we got out of jail with that one. Yes. I don't even want to talk about this game, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's skip to the next section. I have to just say again for in the public forum that when you boys are chatting and I'm like at work and all I, I finish and all I get is messages about Fucking hell, that was an appalling fucking roos. And I look at live score and see that the score is nil nil. I mean, you guys gotta <laughs> clarify this shit, okay? That's not fair on my heart rate. So uh I mean given that it sounded I mean the guys on um Sports Sound were, were properly laying into us and then we get this incredibly fortuitous opening goal. But you know, it was the same same pattern play in the second half, and when we went two one down, I was convinced that was it. The writing was on the wall. So to uh, to get away from this game with with a point in a, at a stadium we've not done very well at in the last few years, um, take the positives. It's not it's not it's a point on the board, and uh, try and move on. Pretend it never happened. In, in the interest of um, trying to take more positives out of it before we go into what I imagine will be a relentlessly negative next half an hour, uh, we do start our league campaign off now with two draws and a defeat. That's two points on the board out of three games not ideal but technically speaking we are two points up against the corresponding fixtures from last season and we have as a result of that point today managed to beat our combined tally of points in Paisley from the last two seasons two points clear of Hibs as well not difficult <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I, I just repeat the same sentiment again um, it's we've 
we've been on a bit of a hiding to nothing in Paisley for the last couple of years and we've shown up not performed at all. And, you know, if we, if that was the case this time last season, we'd have taken an absolute doing. So through a combination of luck and VAR working in our favour and well, mainly mainly those two things, actually, I was going to say any, any kind of composure or character from the team, but I think it was mainly luck and, and VAR that have bailed us out here. And yeah, it is a point on the road and our away form has been terrible the last couple of years. So you got to look at that as, you know, uh, begrudgingly look at it as a positive. It's a fair point from that perspective, Graham. That's, you know, we've been on the road now twice. Um, both of them not necessarily easy venues to go to. Um, Livingston, whatever you may or may not think about them, it is not an easy place to go. St. Mirren are going well this season. They went well last season. Their home record last year was one of the best in the league. Um, one of the things we've really struggled with in the last couple of seasons is grinding out points on the road. We've tended just to be getting beat. Um, it is at least where I'm beating on the road this season. <laughs> is that... <laughs> are you you claiming that as some sort of victory? I, I'm not. No, I'm claiming it's a draw. Clearly, um, it's at least an improvement, isn't it? I think those two games in the last couple of seasons, we probably lose them both. Gr- straws grasping. I I I, I absolutely get it. Yeah, uh, I'm not really. I'm not really having that. I mean, the old oh, it's a difficult place to go. Well, no game is easy. So, you know, does that give them a free pass for? For everywhere we go, because it's difficult. I mean, that performance was garbage. And if we're if we've got designs on third place in the league, I know it's early days, but you're not going to get it with stuff like that every week because you're not going to get a point playing like that every week. Oh, you're I mean, they they Mirren could have and or should have been out of sight yeah. before we got the chance to get back into that game. Uh, so the scoreline, yeah, I can see the argument. You know, it's a point, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but having watched the game, <laughs> the scoreline implies we were in it. And that, you know, for long periods of the games, that's not how it felt for me. Yeah, uh, no, it's, I think it's fair enough. We'll come out and talk about wider discussion, only you know, tactics, uh, etc. in a few minutes, I'm sure. But at the outset, boys, were you a little bit surprised to see a limited number of changes in our starting 11? Just given the exertions that there were on Thursday night in Gothenburg, given how big a game we've got coming up, um, were you surprised that there was only two changes? Um, I was, and I was also surprised at like the identity of one of the changes with uh, with Johnny Hayes coming in for, for Ryan Duncan given how well Jimmy McGarry did when he came on against Hecken. Um, I think with Robson, you've found that once he sees something works quite well, he tends to stick with it. So I very much expected almost the team that finished the game in Sweden to start uh, today. I was quite surprised that McGrath didn't start and McGarry and uh, perhaps even maybe try to integrate, you know, Jensen into the team as well. Um, perhaps even giving Duke a little bit of a rest because he's not been quite at it so far. And I thought Sokler was very impressive um, in Sweden just with his endeavour and his work rate alone. So, so yeah, I was a bit surprised, um, certainly. And I think maybe, I don't know, one or two question marks again about certain players and whether they're going to really be up to the sort of standard that we that we require this season. Yeah, I, I'm probably the other way around. I wasn't actually surprised because Robson seems to just like a set of players and a way of playing and he generally, I don't know, it's a short sample size really, but I feel like he's going to be a bit of the, almost at like that sort of McKinnish, you know what 11 you're going to get week in, week out and it'll only change if there's injuries or suspensions. So I wasn't too surprised that he kept with most of the same team. I'm not sure it was the right thing to do, but I wasn't surprised he did it. I wasn't too surprised McGrath didn't start today. I thought he would start Polvara because I thought he'd want to try and get a foothold in the midfield. And I think he knew it was going to be a battle in there. So I'm not overly surprised McGrath didn't start. Plus McGrath hasn't had a lot of 
pre-season at all. I was surprised McGarry didn't start. I would have thought if it was a choice between him or Hayes, I would have thought it would be McGarry, given how he did. Um, and then maybe bring Hayes on after an hour or something if McGarry was, was struggling a bit. Um, throw Jensen in, I think, maybe as a start. It's maybe just a little bit too much to ask him to come straight in. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised on one hand, but then on the other hand, absolutely not surprised at all. I mean, no Bajewin or Anthony Stewart on the bench today as well. And obviously our, our options on the bench are limited, not limited, but you can put less people on the bench in the league than you could in Europe during the week. You're going to be surprised, aren't we? I think if either of them are still here by the time the Hibs game rolls around next Sunday. Um, a remarkably surprised, yeah. I think the only way, I, I imagine that with Stewart, we're trying to work something out that is either leads to a mutual termination of his contract or he'll just go out on loan somewhere. And I expect probably the same for Bajawin as well but um, I think that's a pretty I mean the fact that neither of them have had played what any minutes so far this season uh, in, yeah, no, in no, competitive not football. competitive anyway yeah, yeah. I think that tells you all you need to know and the fact they're being omitted from the squad um, shows just how far out of the picture they are let's be honest I mean we just never got going in this one at all did we I mean Robson admitted that after the game he thought he felt we were a yard off it from the start the only thing you can argue with that is it felt at times that we were more like two three or maybe five yards off it yeah we I don't I can't really recall a spell on the game other than the old minute here or there where I felt like we were actually in control and looked like the team that was on Thursday you know it's kind of like watching two different teams actually um yeah I mean having I didn't see the game obviously um didn't want to pay pay-per-view to watch less than half of the game. But uh, based on, again, what I heard on the radio, they like they said that we had a little spell after we scored the first goal where we looked a bit more like the Aberdeen we'd hoped we could be. Um, and then based on the highlights... <laughs> it's only been about three minutes. We scored pretty much late. Which I think tells you all you need to know about the performance. Um, and yeah, the second half didn't look like... Well, if anything, it looked like it got worse um, yeah. all over the pitch. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard one to explain. I mean, I know that we're going to have to struggle with this thursday sunday thursday sunday thing but i would have thought given how well we performed on thursday especially in the last half hour or so you would have come into this game flying um it just didn't seem like the players were quite ready for it or you know ready for the ready for the battle and that's that's very surprising of a by robson team i guess the one thing you'd put into perspective there is that you know it was quite a it's not an excuse but Thursday night was obviously an energy sapping evening it was still quite warm in gothenburg it was six o'clock kickoff the sun was still out artificial pitch. St Mirren have had over a week off now since their last game. You know, much fresher coming into it. No real major injury issues for St Mirren with the exception of O'Hara. They came into it really, you know, well up for it. You could see that. And we just looked a bit leggy. I mean, we wouldn't have got back to Aberdeen until the early hours on Friday morning. I'm pretty sure it was we left Gothenburg straight after the game. Presumably we didn't do any training on Friday, maybe some sort of like small session. I presume we were in doing a session on Saturday. Then it's a bit of travelling. I presume we travelled to Paisley Saturday night um, or during the day yesterday. So it is a lot of travelling that the, the boys have had to do there, I guess. And on that hand, you can maybe you can understand why we're a little bit off it. But um, to be as far off, it was quite surprising, as you say, Gav, considering it's a, it's not what you'd expect of a bad Robs inside a ground. No, I, I, don't, I don't really know how much of a difference the Thursday-Sunday makes. I know there's the travelling and stuff, but they're all... Yeah, are you what forgetting? You are you forgetting all those times we've gone had like really good times to play Rangers like that place smashed them after their European? Well, yeah, games. exactly. I was going to say, you know, they're all in good condition physically, it's, and it's early on in the season as well. You know, this gets to I don't know if it's this time, sort of after January, wherever you think, well, they've been playing 
the sort of Thursday, Sunday, we've somehow got through a group stage. You've got, I can feel it's starting to take a toll at that point, which earlier on in the season. So I don't really know how much, I don't really know how much of a difference it Green's makes not or how. Green's not buying it. I think I would tend not to agree. To be so far off. And if that really is what we're going to be getting, then we're going to be finishing around about the middle of the table or we're going to have to go on some hell of a run in 2024. Yeah, it is possible. I would just say you can't be by Robson and say that, you know, after Charlton, that we're where we need to be fitness wise. You know that that part of that is going to entail being able to do Thursday, Sunday. And if it's this early on, you know, they, I, I don't buy it as an excuse. And if it is, if players are leggy, then you've got a squad. That's why you build it. Yeah, but I guess that's part of the problem as well at the moment is we've got a lot of players in the squad, but a lot of them are not up to speed yet from a match fitness perspective. Which well, is this, this comes back to that point, like the only way they're going to get match fitness yeah. is to play matches. I think I have a little bit more sympathy for the whole Thursday-Sunday thing than Graham does because you see teams with vastly bigger resources and vastly bigger squads than us struggle with Thursday-Sunday thing. You look at a lot of teams in England who really, really struggle with it. Um, look at West Ham last season. Look at how murder they were in the Premier League last season. Um, but we're still doing all right in, in Europe. Um, I don't think that's because of the travelling. I think they were just shit. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Um, on the on the game today, let's have a quick look at some of the players. I mean, um, I thought Angus McDonald was fine enough, generally speaking, for his first full game back. He had a one shaky moment in the second half where he was a bit lax and let in. Uh, I think it was Oli Sanya where Roos had to, to pull off a decent save. Yeah, but... we. so that was one of the, when I was saying they could have and or should have been outside. Yeah. That was yeah. one of the examples where uh, they should have scored. Yeah. On the point but, of how well you can do from Thursday, Sunday, I mean, Aston Villa did okay today. They didn't really have to exert themselves too hard on Thursday night, <laughs> did they, Gavin? And it was Wednesday, so scratch that Wednesday, from the record. <laughs> and they travelled from the, that massive distance from Edinburgh to Birmingham. <laughs> um, um, what are we going to do without Lee Johnson, man, honestly? They they will hire another clown, don't, don't you worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, just talk about the back three then. McDonald, fine enough, I thought. Mackenzie and Rubicic really struggled. It felt like throughout, didn't it? Uh, I've I've kind of got the fear about the idea of Rubicic playing the right side of a back three. Doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. And I mean, well, people know my thoughts on Jack McKenzie, so I'll just keep my powder dry from this point. I mean, what he's doing at the is it the second disallowed goal when he just yeah. makes a complete arse of it, and then he does the Jack McKenzie thing where he throws his arms up as if to say, like, what what did I do? Um, yeah. That's um, yeah. I mean, some I think Mark might have made the point, or someone else on Twitter, like you know, when Reese Williams gets up to fitness, I think when stop it, Gav, stop it, stop it. We're coming oh, out to that. Oh, sorry, I won't steal any thunder. Jesus Christ, Gavin, come on! I won't steal any what thunder. Program. I'm gonna leave Not it. Me. I'm leaving it there. Anyway, well, fucking well done, Gav. On Rubizich, there's a new feature on the show this year, which Gavin's just spoiling all over the place. Um, where you can drop us a voice note with your thoughts on the game or anything to do with the Dons you'd like to talk about. And Mark Robertson did indeed drop us a voice to talk about something and, and give his, his thoughts. Hey guys, it's Mark Robertson here. Question on the defence. Uh, we've seen Ruby play a couple of games now and I think it's plainly obvious we know why his passing statistics were so low. He generally just punts it upfield as far as possible. Question, does he stay in the team if Williams is fit or if Ordadia comes into the picture because for me he's just not cutting it so far maybe just be getting used to the game but who knows thank you so there we go 
Mark's asking the question on the defence on Rubicic. Um, so we know now why his passing stats were not great coming out of the Serbian top flight. Um, and, and is there here a move where Reese Williams, when if, when, ever he becomes fit, um, he maybe slots into that position on the right-hand side of the back three? Or Ordadia. Or Ordadia. I was going to say, well, I haven't seen either of them play. I know Williams has featured in odd sort of pre-season stuff. So on the assumption that he's a better footballer, or is maybe more comfortable passing the ball, I can see there's a potential. But then you look at some of the games we've played that, you know, everyone's saying Robson's pragmatic and we want to be sort of quick to turn the ball around. I'm, I'm not so sure passing it out is necessarily what Robson wants. I mean, there's a few games where we've just been quite quick to just play long balls. So I, I'm not I'm not sure passing out is actually what we'll be getting under Robson. Um, I would take the view that I'm just basing this on last season with with Matty Pollock and Liam Scales being the the wide centre halves, and what we've learned about Richard Jensen, um, what his capabilities are with the ball. I think that the the right and left side centre backs will have a duty to to advance up the pitch with the ball to provide an attacking option because that's what we saw last season. You think back to Matty Pollock crossing the ball for Duke against Hearts, or Liam Scales getting forward to be able to lob. Alan McGregor from 40 yards. So I think it is there. And when it comes to Rubizic, I think for me, Rubizic clearly would stand out as being the center of the three if you could have that option. But Angus McDonald has proven so far that to be a better a better option there. So I think it's a very, very interesting question. I guess the point there is, when is Reese Williams going to be fit? Well, yeah, there's only so long, you know, say it goes on for another few weeks or a month, you're going to get to a point where you're just going to have to have worked a system without him. And then you're probably, hopefully you find a way for that to work to the point where, yeah, he might be available, but you're not going to, like you said, if Robson finds something he likes and it works, he's not going to change it. So if with the current setup, we we get into a bit of a rhythm and we start picking up better results, he's probably just going to leave it as is. And he probably should do, because if you get the results, why would you tinker with it? Um, I, I did think that Rubicic had an impressive game on Thursday, all things considered, given that he picked up that early yellow and the heckin' striker was obviously t- trying to tangle with him at any available opportunity. I thought he dealt with things fairly well. But even in saying all that, there were moments when it came to distributing the ball when you're just like, what the hell was he thinking when he tried to do that? Because that has gone right into the stands. Yeah, so, I, so. It, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes because I, I thought the same on Thursday and I thought he did quite well up against Tristich in the main. Today he looked a bit, I don't know, he looked a little bit off it as well like everybody did and I don't know. There was a couple of times today where he looked a bit rattled by what was going on around him and I guess at the end of the day, he's still only 23. We need to bear that in mind. He's he's not, you know, he's 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 making the move outside of Serbia effectively for the first time um, to come to Aberdeen. He did have a small spell in was Hungary, Bulgaria, one of the two. Um, you know, so he's going to take him a little bit of time, obviously, to adapt and everything. We, we do need to give him time. But today was a little bit worrying. And as Mark says, there is a bit of a tendency, I think, just to shell the ball up the park in what is a relatively aimless fashion. But um, the only slight flip side to that would be from we were trying to ticky tack out the back, how many goals did we concede? True. We did try to ticky tack a bit today at one point. We were 2 1 down in the 92nd minute. and the centre half split and Roos laid out to Rubicic. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> At that point, I wasn't going to be that against us going full McInnes. 
and sticking Rubicic up top and just shelling the ball long. Like, anyway, never mind. Speaking about Kelrys, behind the defence today, he had one of those kind of slightly shaky afternoons that you get out of Kelrys every now and again. Not, We didn't see a lot of them, to be fair, towards the back end of last season. Um, made a couple of really good stops in the first half, although that was tinged with a shocker of a pass out to Duke at one point that nearly puts in trouble. Got really lucky that Kilty's initial goal was ruled out for offside because he spilled that really badly. I saw in the Aberdeen, the official match report said that it came through a ruck of players. Spoiler alert, it didn't. Um, and should he, he also maybe... got closed down as well. Remember he was yeah, fanning right. around and got closed down. So yeah. Um... <laughs> it's been a while since I've heard anyone say fanning around. <laughs> it, was not, it was not a vintage performance from him, but you're right. They were few and far between sort of the second half of last season. So hopefully, I mean, he wasn't the only one that was kind of having one of those days. But Should it was have done better as well with Greaves' goal, do you think? I think so. I, I mean, think I, so. Yeah, I think so. I think any keeper getting beat at the near post is always a worry. Like, I know it's, it's a big guy and it's kind of low down, so it's maybe difficult to cover that space, but it looked, it just looked a little bit too simple. And I've seen it again in the replays, it still looks a little bit too easy. But He definitely, I mean, he ended last season in incredible form. Yep. And he's not, he's not picked up that form at the beginning of this season. Um, there's been... Even you think about Celtic, you know, the the Kyogo goal, that's a stem from a really bad kick out from Kelrus. I think the Gale, I think even the goalies, I by, listen, he's by no means the biggest culprit for the first hecking goal. But even then, I think of Kelrus last season, does more to close the striker down. And with that one today, I think of like when he faced up Curtis May at Pataudry at the last home game of the season when he was really dominant and made like the biggest presence he possibly could. Doesn't feel he's hit that's hit those standards yet, but I mean, as you say, he's not the only one. He did have a very good save against uh, was it Olisana when he yeah. was through. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a mixed bag from him, but I think he could have done better for the goals. Switching right up to the top end of the partner, Duke. Another really quiet performance from from Duke this afternoon. I've seen a few people on the twits or the X's uh, questioning whether he needs some time out of the team now. Uh, Truth is, we're just not playing to strengths at all, are we? I think there was one time today where we actually rolled the ball onto his feet and he created something off the back of it. Other than that, we're just shelling the ball up towards him and hoping for the best. Yeah, and all he is doing is throwing himself to the ground and wondering why he's not getting a free kick. Well, it wasn't a free kick, so that's why I'm kind of moping around a bit. And I know his style oh, in turn. some games... No, his style in some games is to... His turn, isn't he? Graham's got a full-blown... Fucking, oh, you can't. There wasn't really powder, much he to take. His, he kept his powder dry all in the last <laughs> season on the Robson out thing, and then he's just gone. Fucking there wasn't much to take out of his performance from today. But what I was going to say is, like, sometimes <laughs> he has that look of maybe not, he's not interested, he's not really in a game. But you you always know if you give him the right service, he can create something for himself or for his teammates. But there's no point in having him on the pitch if you're just going to launch at him. No, I mean, I, if, we, if we're going to be a long ball team, we've got the wrong creative players in that team or if we're I don't know what if we panic into long balls or if that's the way a game is progressing take him off and change up the shape or put someone on who's more suited to do it because it's just a waste of time having him out there that's, and that's not necessarily I dig at him as such as if, if that's the way the game's going to go or that's the way we want it to go he's not the player for it and arguably neither is Mayofsky. yeah I've seen a few people as well suggesting that you know he's he's not working hard enough either at the moment I actually think if you watch Duke quite closely at the moment, 
I've got a funny feeling he's being deliberately told to try and stay high up the park, effectively try and play on the shoulder, so that when we turn the ball over quickly, we have an out ball up the park. And so that's why he's... I think last season, you saw Duke dropping back quite a lot and helping out the defence quite a bit last season and doing a lot of that work. I don't think he's doing... I don't think he's not doing that because he just can't be arsed. I think he's being specifically told to stay further up the park. Um, but we're just not finding the right sort of ball for him either. I mean, we're just like I say, we're just shelling. Even against Celtic, we saw a few times we played balls down the the, the, the sides of the centre-halves, giving him something to run on to. Just shelling up to him, hoping for the best, is just not going to get the best out of this kid at all, is it, Gav? No, I mean, to be honest, I think there's part of it's just maybe just a confidence thing as well. I just It feels like he's just not quite there. And I mean, you think of the heckin' chance yeah. when he does amazingly well to take the ball down and then it's a simple roll uh, finishing at the corner he just you know kind of makes a hash of it um it just doesn't feel like it's you got it going yet this season i i'm not as concerned as other people i think once he gets a goal we'll be up and running um you still see the fleeting moments here and there like the assist against celtic and when we did get the ball and defeat against heck and he's just got this incredible talent of running at people and in a quite difficult manner to explain beating men without really doing anything pretty obvious in the way of skill or yeah. um, or, or speed. So um, I think it's just one of those things where maybe just getting this little patch that we probably expected more of from Duke when we first signed him and then he became this incredibly consistent figure. Um, I think once he gets a goal, he'll be up and running for the season. I must admit, I kind of feel the same way, Graham. I don't know about you, but once he gets one, I think hopefully that's build the confidence back in. He probably does seem like a very confidence-driven player, let's be honest. Yeah, and I I think it it probably is fair that he's maybe been told to not 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 been told to not track back, but stay up the pitch for it. Because there were times last season where you think, well, it's really great that you've ran the length of the pitch to make a tackle in and around your box, but we've just won the ball, and you know what what options are there as an outlet? Nothing because you're you're back helping out your defence. So I I'm okay with with that, and also to an extent conserving his energy so that you know he gets a decent ball, he's probably you know he's maybe. Um, in a better place to go and chase it down or do something with it. But fundamentally, my beef is with the type of service they got today. It's just, it's a total waste of his talents. Talking about lack of service, I mean, the midfield three today, pretty much anonymous all game again. The, the starting midfield three were Shinny Clarks and Povara. They just never got a foothold in the game. Um, and St Mirren's midfield four just absolutely overran us in there. Probably what you'd expect from a midfield four versus a midfield three, really. Um, I mean, and then when you talk about the way we're playing... Yeah, that's classic Sam Allardyce of Bolton Wanderers. There's no need for a midfield. Just watch the ball sail over their heads. Um, that kind of reminds me of the chat we had with Caddy Arneson back in the day when he was, I think he spoke uh, very upfront to McInnes about we were playing when we had hmm. McLean and Shinny in the team and we weren't using them. Uh, when you've got a player of Leighton Clarkson's talents, um, why you're not making that the focal point of your attack, it's very difficult to explain. Um, and then... Obviously, with Pulvara, um, I really want it to work. I really do. But there's just this part of me that thinks that there's just too much ground to make up with him. Um, that said, I didn't think Pulvara did anything wrong today. I just think the game completely bypassed him. He didn't them. do anything wrong, but he didn't, didn't do anything really... either. No, yeah, no, 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 exactly. It's kind of the story of Pulvara this yeah. season, really. It's like, yeah, he hasn't done anything stands out as being bad. Well, he doesn't do anything that stands out as being particularly good either. Um, I, I, I feel for the kid. I think we've, we've almost wasted 18 months of his career <laughs> trying to make him something he wasn't. Yeah. Um, if we'd maybe had 18 months of him trying to do this role, I think we'd have a much better player. 
uh, as it stands. I think once McGrath gets up to full speed, it'll be McGrath, Clarkson, and and Shinny in the midfield, and Pulvar will become a squad player for the rest of the season. We can talk about that in a minute or two, but Ian Taylor's another of the kind of um, ABZFP solar system who dropped us a quick voice note with his thoughts about the midfield. Where the fuck is our midfield this season? Where the fuck is our midfield this season? Um, in, in the middle of the park, as I say, <laughs> watching the ball go over, over their head. And getting overrun. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because like last season, obviously, we played with this formation to, for the entire time that um, Lane, uh, Barry Robson was in charge back in the last season. And we kind of saw the best of Leighton Clarkson um, during that phase as well. But for whatever reason, it's just not happening this year so far. Um, whilst the shape has been the same, we're definitely not playing the same way, are we? We used the midfield three a lot more under Robson last year. He's right, we're just lobbing them over the top and we're just not getting the best out of Leighton Clarkson at all by doing this. No, and I, I don't I don't know if necessarily Pulvara or Jamie McGrath, for that matter, are the the third third wheel we need in that midfield for it to work as well as it did. I mean, I said what like Ramadani and Shinny did so much donkey work that let let let, let Leighton Clarkson thrive in that kind of say, Gav. I know, right? In that sort of quote unquote quarterback role. Um yeah, we're just we're just not getting the ball with these guys. Simple as that. Um yeah. There's yeah, nothing they, there's there's nothing they can do when you know Rubazic and Co are putting out for a throw in next to the opposition corner flag. I'm gonna put you on the spot here, Gav now. Um do we need a Ramadani replacement? I think I always said we needed a Ramadani replacement. Are we feeling I saw a lot of people at the time talking about when Ramadani left that he was not difficult to replace, but are we seeing now that actually he offered a little bit more to this the team than maybe some of us thought? I don't think he's necessarily difficult to replace. When I say some of us, I mean you. But you need to go and get that kind of player quite simply, and we haven't done that. So, um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we've got what four days. I don't four, think we're four days I, to I, go. I genuinely don't think we're looking for a, a Ramadani type replacement. I, I, I honestly think we think we've got one in Povara. Um, we haven't. No, we don't. Um, I mean, in a dream world, Ross McCroy would have been that player, but obviously he left as well. Uh, I, I do think we need a different kind of midfielder, just for the simplest point that if Graham Shinney gets injured or suspended, as he inevitably will this season, we're going to have an incredibly lightweight centre midfield. Mm-hmm. Graham Robson talked after the game about how we tried to drop Clarkson off into the kind of pivot role again today to try and force one of the St. Minnan front three who had gone very clearly three on three with our back three try to force one of them to drop off to take Clarkson that didn't happen one and despite the fact it didn't happen we still didn't manage to get Clarkson into the game it doesn't really matter where you put him in the pitch if you're just sailing the ball over his head you can't you can't influence <laughs> yeah, yeah. anything it's hard to wonder why none of the sitting in front three dropped in yeah maybe he did that maybe he wanted to do that all I saw was a set of players just getting bypassed yeah um, worrying Worrying is the best. Well, things like so, I don't care if that's the way we want to play. That this isn't, you know, I don't care. There's not a right way to play football, in my opinion, other than to be successful and to win. So, if we want to play that, that's absolutely fine. But why take the time building a squad of good footballers who've shown when you play football that we've got enough about us to compete and probably beat most of the teams, and then just decide you're going to start the season off not doing it? That's what I can't get my head around it's not the style as such it's just we were all really quite enthusiastic about the players that we'd retained some players that we've got and it just feels like we're not using them 
the way we know they should be used. What's well, the weird thing now, isn't it? It feels that we've actually finally got a squad now built where you've kind of got round pegs for round holes. Yep. Right. Somehow we've now decided that on a, from a style perspective, we're not going to do anything to suit the players in their round holes. And that, that's my frustration. It's with... very odd. It's a really odd... Well, not only is it odd, it's stupid. We spent... <laughs> well, look at look how much money we've yeah. invested yeah, in that. Yeah. I know, they, I mean, obviously no one talks transfer fees, but... Quite, there's probably I don't think I'm unreasonable to say there's probably a handful of guys in that squad who've, who are around the 300 400,000 pound oh yeah Easy. mark if you're uh, taking the sort of median you know there's some sort of truth in it so there's a decent amount of money spent on fees and then obviously wages etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think in most cases we've got good players I can't understand why you then say that's great let's go and play a way that none of you can play. And that's kind of how Sunday, that's kind of how it felt today. It was just, yeah, I know you guys are all good at doing something, but let's go and do something totally alien to you. Um, I'm Which is kind of the thing it. about, it's kind of the thing about a game like today, because you know what's going to happen. Like Robson spoke about it in his, his um, post-match press conference, about how, you know, you go to St. Mirren and you know what you're going to get out of them, right? It's going to be a lot of hard running. They're going to be very direct. They're going to try and win second balls. They're going to be in your face. There's all that stuff. And you know that's how they're going to be. Because let's be honest, like <clears throat> Stephen Robinson has been doing this for, what, 10 years now? Um, whether it's with Motherwell or with um, now with St Mirren. You know what you're going to get. He's very effective at making his teams do what they do. You kind of feel it. Just take the sting out of a team like that. Mm. You do what our players are good at doing, which should be, technically speaking, keeping the ball, popping it around, using their technique to play around these teams and kind of taking the sting out of that game rather than just playing, it feels like right into their hands by just sticking the ball up top, like just smashing it up the park and hoping for the best. Well, I guess this is kind of what I was talking about at the live show that we did when it when I compare our team in, you know, March, April to the team now, I don't think we're a better football team. I think if you're going player for player, I think Liam Scales is a better footballer than, than Jack McKenzie is, for example. Matty Pollock's a better player than um, than Rubicic. So I wonder if that's playing in. Yeah. I wonder if we our recruitment has gone. We don't know maybe. enough about Jensen, though. Jensen appears to be a pretty decent ball-playing centre-half, and we didn't see enough of him today. But, yes, but Jensen hasn't really enough. played yet. So, yeah. so. And it was a pretty so, interesting first challenge from Jensen. What did he do? Just flattened the boy. <laughs> he was fine. He won the ball, though. If you can like, bring through the boy. If you can bring up a tackle from history, like what were you? What would you compare it to? Uh, it's a, head, so, a headed challenge, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Headed challenge with bits of his body that he's not supposed to lead with. Ah, uh, the, the old, uh, the old Jaden. It's with. just when I saw that, and you look and you think, oh yeah, it's beaten in the middle. Yeah. I was expecting the old uh, <laughs> card to come out, but amazingly, it didn't. No, it didn't do. It. Didn't even give a free kick. Didn't even give a free kick. You're right. On a scale of one to Tommy Wright versus Stevie Hamill, where are we talking? Oh, uh, it's pretty tame by uh, a five, uh, if, if that. Uh, that's never, that's, that's disappointing. Compare that, it's maybe not the scale compared to that. Dis- disappointing. Disappointing. But it, was, it was great, but it was it was it was good. We took the boy out, and then he had to give her the old "Oh, I've hurt myself." As he had a wee look at the ref, and he realised he wasn't getting booked. He just sort of trotted back to his position. Yeah, let's quickly talk about the subs then, actually, because um, McGarry at least kind of provided some natural width, looks a lot more comfortable defensively than Hayes and Duncan do, but he didn't really do much else today. There was one um, pass in particular where he tried to play the ball down the line with his right, with his left foot, stabbed it, 
when it was just like, just play that with your right foot and that'll be fine. And the ball went straight apart, which was a bit daft, but never mind. Jane McGrath failed to have the kind of sort of impact we saw on Thursday night. But that's no real surprise, considering, as we've just talked about, the ball was just being shelled over his head. Um, Dick Jensen, first look at him. Thoughts, Graham? We just touched on his, his opening gambit, which I quite liked. But um... <laughs> <laughs> It was just that moment of... He's been on for about 30 seconds. He's going to be off here, isn't he? This is not good. <laughs> and then it's like um, that moment of like, and there, there began and there ended the story. Yes, exactly. Jensen. Where were yeah. you when he made his only appearance? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I thought he was all right. It's kind of it's difficult to really gauge. He threw himself a couple of headers in the second half, like which I quite liked. Um, but it was certainly looks like there's enough about him. Yeah, good, that, good size uh, of him, I thought. Uh, yeah, um, definitely, definitely. So that will help us for, well, actually, I guess, set pieces, where we are, yeah, you know, where we're on the offense, on the offensive, and then uh, obviously for cleaning the box. So, early days yet, but certainly wasn't like he came on. You think, uh oh, well, this is a huge waste of time. So, uh, I'm hoping he'll turn, he'll turn good. Not one of those games where you think, well, being a Finnish international doesn't count for much these days. <laughs> no, definitely, you're definitely not thinking. Oh, Cormac's got the receipt there. <laughs> Uh, I look forward to seeing more of him, yeah, obviously, in, in the future. Sounds like a good player from what our man on the ground was saying. Just one thing, actually, I've just thought about, because it, it's maybe a fair point. I would need to go back and look at it, but I'm pretty certain last season we didn't recover a point from a losing position at all last campaign. I don't know if we didn't recover. We <clears throat> definitely never won a game where we went behind. I'm not sure we gave, even gained a point after falling behind in a game last season, but... um Stew and far between anyway, if we well, do. There's two, there's two games in a row now where we've kind of come back from, you know, 2-0 down in Hecken on Thursday night. We were dead in, let's be honest, we were dead and buried today at 2-1. Um, at least, is there a little bit of a shift in kind of character and mentality about the team a little bit? You know, we, okay, we get, we get lucky. Well, we get lucky in the sense that we get a penalty in the last eighth minute of injury time, wherever it was today. But at least we were still going. You know, we get the penalty because Clarkson's having an effort to go with, you know, a minute to go. If nothing else, there does appear to be a little of a shift in mentality, doesn't there? I, I, I would say so based on the last eight <laughs> months, not just today. But if I'm being brutally honest, I think today is just a massive, massive slice of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've gotten, I mean, we have bemoaned VAR and felt like we've got the rough end of it for pretty much the duration of the time it's been in place. Uh, we've definitely benefited from it today. Um, we've benefited from the sense that they got around making the right decisions. Well, that's yeah, that's fair. But we've seen that in the last eight months. That's not necessarily always <laughs> the case. So, um, in that sense, yeah, I, I just think today is just we've we've been incredibly, incredibly fortuitous. But uh, the, I guess there is the small positive in that if we played like that last season, we would have got absolutely battered. Today, we've picked up a point. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't good. I think we can just like wrap that up here. I can see well, Graham's, I was, Graham's ready to tap out. Graham's ready to go. Cool. I was just all I was gonna say quickly was that it was all in all, it's a really, really poor performance today. Um one you've got to hope that we can learn from quickly in terms of our whole Thursday, Sunday rotations, even though Graham doesn't believe in them. Um Robson's gonna have to have he's going to have to have an ability though, isn't he, to rotate the team in the squad, isn't he? If we go let's be honest, we're 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 in on this road now until December at least. And is it still not a little bit worrying that he's just really wed to the formation? Because I just don't... I The formation got us results last season. I'm still not convinced it's the right formation for the team that we have or the players that we have. But he just seems so insistent on it. Very insistent on it. And although it worked last season, if you think actually how that season ended, there is 
the results weren't very good and the football wasn't very good. But also people have had a chance to evaluate it and see how were we playing, what was good and bad, and how can you maybe stop it? So it's not fresh anymore. It's people know to an extent what they're going to get. And you probably know you're going to get that every time you face Aberdeen because to date, that's pretty much what he's, what he's done. So I think there's quite a few things in there. But fundamentally, as like I said before, I just don't think... I just don't think we have the players. There's only a handful of teams that can probably approach every game and just play their way because ultimately their quality will be superior and they'll win. You've got to be able to adapt and to, to date, I've not I've not seen that. Um, I think that as people commented on Thursday, if you're content to go into a massive game like Hecken and you're going to play Shaden Morris and Ryan Duncan as wing-backs and Nicky Devlin and Jack McKenzie at centre-back, that is you saying that this is the way it's going to be in terms of formation. That's not going to change because you could easily have manipulated that 11 into a different formation easily. So I think it's futile to talk about whether he's going to change things because he's not going to. But hopefully um, as the season goes on, we can integrate players who actually are more suited to that. The challenge I think I have with this though is that I think I think 3-5-2 will be fine for us if we come up against teams who want to play. And who kind of are quite open against us. Like we saw, you know, we could see it working against Celtic to an extent. We saw it working against Hecken for big chunks of the game. I mean, we could have scored two or three goals in the first half. We touched on it in the preview, uh, sorry, in the review during the week. I think if you play against a team who's, who comes and has a goal against you, it can work. I think when you play teams who are happy just to sit in, I just worry that it doesn't give you enough flexibility from an attacking perspective and enough options at the top end of the park and you saw that today a little bit again I mean Simina didn't sit in but they they were well drilled and well disciplined and they knew what they were doing they were there was no opportunities for balls down the sides of the channels like we saw against Celtic um, because they're just not playing that way you know they, they don't have the full backs as high up the park well Simina don't play with full backs they play a 3-4-3 but that's my biggest concern, and I think that's what we're going to see more at Pataudry. That's what we've seen for seasons now, is that teams will come up to Pataudry and play in the main. We'll have, we'll have teams come up here to try and stifle, and it's not necessarily the best formation to get results from that perspective, in my, in my view. Oh, I think that's fair. If you look at Celtics, maybe a good example, we didn't get the result, but we were having success with those balls down the side from Elski and Duke. So you kind of need to have... Where you're playing against teams that will leave you that space, then those balls are effective and we've got the players to do something with it. If that space isn't there, which is probably what we were seeing today, we we can't just try and play those balls because they're just not going to they're just not going to work. Uh, and then obviously people are going to get, you know, the midfield probably gets a bit frustrated or people start to drift out of position, try and get the ball. And then you don't really have your shape because people are just going in search of uh some possession, so I think we do need to have we do need to have some other options. I mean, you're going to be playing different types of teams with different ideas in Europe. Some will be more or less competitive than us, and then obviously, like you say, you've got people coming to Pataudry, and the vast majority of teams aren't coming to Pataudry to win. They're coming to just get a point, uh, and that's a good result for them. And we've generally struggled with those kind of teams. So I agree with you. If we're going to be pretty inflexible. I think it might lead to a frustrating season. I mean, I was just to counteract that, I would say that in the second half of last season, playing this system, we did beat Motherwell, Livingston, Hearts, Kilmarnock, and St. Mirren at Pataudry. And I don't believe that any of those teams came up here looking to play tiki-taka. 
So it's, I think it's no, just about, I think, I think I think it's about getting the right personnel in place, and I just think that at this point we haven't got the right caliber of players mm. in each position. Quite simply, um, just before we run on, I just saw that there's um, this is amazing. I hope this happens. Um, it's been reported down south that apparently Stevenage boss Steve Evans is in the frame for the Hibs job. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, that would be amaze balls. Just please, please, I'm begging you. It's going to take it a lot, and I mean a lot, of brown envelopes to fix hips. <laughs> oh, can you imagine that happens? Just, and as I said, oh, I don't even need to stick an allegedly in there. His debut would be Pataudry. Please, if there's a football in God, make it happen. That's all we ask. Even if it's just for one match. Hopefully we've hopefully we've uh, strengthened the foundations of the main stand dugouts, if that's the case, as part of our ongoing work. Uh-huh. Anyway. <laughs> and we round it all off with a bit of body shaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 deserved. I think. Anywho, let's um, will we do a top don? I don't think it would, there's any point in that today. James is shaking his head. I don't even know who it'd be. John Bean, <laughs> uh, the VAR official. Yeah, the VAR team. Anyway, let's move on. Other news from EB24 in the week that's just gone past. Pretty quiet one, to be honest. Um, other than the signings of Richard Jensen and Jamie McGrath, both of which we've covered in episode 121.5, so there's not really any point in going back over them, is there now? No, all you'll hear is me telling everyone how great Jamie McGrath is. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, on the young team, a 4-2 defeat on the road for them in the Cass Under-18 League as they face St Mirren on Friday night. Boyd and Alfie Stewart on the score sheet for Aberdeen, but despite being 2-2, a half-time goals from Mooney and Porter. Saw the Paisley Saints take the points. Next up is a visit from Hearts to Cormac Park on Friday afternoon. Lone watch, Kieran Nguenya came off the bench for the final 18 minutes as Partick Thistle derailed Queen's Park's unbeaten start to the season with a 3-1 win. At Fur Hill, Evan Towler, no place in the squad again for him as Montrose were beaten 1-0 by Hamilton Ackes in League One. Aaron Reid, no place in the matchday squad for him as Peterhead were beaten 1-0 by the Spartans in League One. Liam Harvey and Blair McKenzie for Elgin City, both starting this one. Harvey lasting 70 minutes, McKenzie playing right the way through until injury time um, as Elgin drew 1-1 with East Fife. Dylan Lobbin and Adam Emsley. Again, I had to do all my investigative sleuthing on this one. Thanks to a bunch again from Martin United. They both started in for Martin's Highland League Cup. First round tie with Breakin City. City winning that one 3-1 in the end. Finlay Murray uh, for Turrah United started and last the full 90 minutes as Turrah were thumped 4-0 at Bucky. Be pleased in the Graham Steel household with that one in the Highland League Cup. And then Jaden Richardson, no place once again in the matchday squad for Jaden as Stockport. Went down by three goals to two at Matty Longstaff's former team, Mansfield Town in League Two. Like, I wonder what Matty Longstaff's up to these days. There's one way to find out. <laughs> Ripping up at Colchester, isn't he? No idea. Who knows? Oh, he got he got released this year. Did he? Let's find out. Well, where would he be? I mean, he must be like you know because it's got such a Long farmers staff. league. He must be at I don't know ripping up in Saudi Arabia or something. Oh, yeah, released at the end of his current contract by Newcastle United. Wikipedia does not have an entry for the season. Oh, there we go. Um, coming to St Johnston near you. On the coins, a uh, double header this week for them. Uh, they followed up defeat to Rangers last Sunday with an impressive 2 1 win on the road. It Montrose in midweek goes from Jess Broderick and a first strike at first team level for Darcy Miller. So Aberdeen take the three points away from newly promoted Montrose. It could have been much more comfortable, but for Hannah Stewart having a penalty stopped 
on 42 minutes. And then Sunday afternoon saw the Quines return back to Pataudry. Uh, this time, though, a 2 0 win for the visitors in the form of Hart and Midlothian. I think they returned to the Balmoral. <clears throat> what did I say? Pataudry. Pataudry. Silly me at the Balmoral, of course. Uh, the Quines resplendent, Gavin, in their Northern Lights away kit. Wouldn't you agree? Which, if, <sighs> uh, if you want to get one, I saw the club was announcing they'll be back in November. Yeah, so. <laughs> Graham's on one tonight. Can someone not just pick up the phone to Adidas and say, look, could you just boot us up the pecking order a little bit? Can you just, get some, few more can you just get some plain black shirts, get some paint, and just, you know, <laughs> Jack, Jackson Pollock that shit? Yeah. Just take it, just take it to a, a tacky hotel room. <laughs> um, anyway, rub it, rub, yeah. it on, rub it on the walls. Go, go some Girasoil and Tim's for the visitors, meaning that the Quines 2-0 uh, defeat at the bottom of the But that's, you know, Hearts have invested quite a lot in their women's team as well over the last couple of seasons, so it was always a difficult game for them this afternoon. Two wins, two defeats out of their opening four games, and Clint Lancaster and Cole will be pretty happy with that return, I'd imagine. It's been it's been a solid start, all things considered. You know, getting that win um, at Montrose in, the, in midweek as well, or getting a win away on the, on the road. Um, you know, that's two wins from three, and then, you know, you come up against a... A Hearts team that they have definitely invested big time in in their team, uh, trying to progress to get to that level. Maybe of you know even one day challenging the Glasgow side. So you know we we know that Aberdeen are still a long way off. You know the teams in the central belt, but I feel I feel pretty good about the way the season started so far. Will that do us for the first half? Yes, yes it will. Good stuff. Join us after the break, where we'll preview the massive game on Thursday night with the return leg against Balclub and Heck, and we'll also give you a quick preview of our. SPFL since Premiership tie with managerless hips. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And Siberia Bar and Hotel are pleased to announce their latest venture, Doan Co. Brand new, freshly baked, handmade donuts coming to you from Belmont Street, Aberdeen to the grand opening on Friday, the 1st of September 2023. Make sure to check them out. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, before we move on to chat about our second leg with Bal Club and Hecken and the Hibs game, just a quick shout out to those of you continuing to make your contributions to the Bean Coffee Fund this week, which includes Jim Boyle. Jimbo. We see you. We acknowledge you. Your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description. Shout out to Beer or Coffee. It is absolutely much appreciated. So, boys, Thursday night sees us with a real date with destiny as Bal Klubenhecken returned to Pataudry with our Europa League playoff round tie finally in the balance after the Desmond in Sweden last Thursday. So, I mean, you know, we spoke about it last week. We said it was massive. At 2-0 down, I think we all thought our chances were really slipping by us once again. But that was a really rallying performance in that last 30 minutes, which means suddenly it feels as though we have the momentum in this tie, but do you think it will pan out this way? Um, sold out stadium. Big what occasion. <laughs> Big occasion. Uh, we typically do wonderfully in these kind of situations, so I don't see anything going wrong. Yeah, and a really encouraging performance today to take us into Thursday as well. So it's all setting us up nicely, isn't it? 
I mean, actually, somebody yesterday was talking about this. Last season, we performed reasonably well in the in the run-in where we had big crowds. Expectation was on us. So maybe we finally got that big game hoodoo off of us. Um, it could be worse. You could be hecking. Um, they went out today and were smashed 4-2 in the Gothenburg derby this afternoon. They were 4-0 down after about 50 minutes, I think, in that one. So, And I've, I've gone and looked at the table and IFK Gothenburg are not vintage. No, they are really not vintage at all this season. Um, that said, they've not really lost out too much because Elfsburg got beat today as well. So they're still just one point behind um, at the top of the Allison scan. Um, rumours have been abounding that Ibrahim Sadiq, who I think we warned prior to the game on Thursday, was the player to watch. He showed us why on Thursday evening he might be departing Hecken prior to the second leg. Um, it's not confirmed. He did play today. Uh, Hecken named a pretty much full-strength side, it would appear, this up this afternoon Sadiq actually missed a penalty kick in that one um, we've had a good look at them now they're all going to be without Johan Hammer the centre half who was sent Hammer in Sweden as well um, we've got a good look at them on Thursday just past I think they kind of lived up to everything we'd expected maybe in terms of looking pretty sharp at the top end of the park but they certainly do give up opportunities it's going to be interesting isn't it to see how they approach Thursday night because you know, when we spoke to the Hecken boys last week, Per Mateus Hogan insists on his side playing, quote mark, Hecken football, which I love. <laughs> it does sound like, it's like talking dogs, I've, 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 I've been at Patojan said, this is Hecken shit many times. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? How this one, this one goes on Thursday night. At times on Thursday last week, it felt like a basketball game. It was like end-to-end stuff. Hecken are with the ball in midfield and in their attack are a pretty a pretty good team. They they know what they're doing. They can make very quick triangles and play through the lines. And they've got a couple of talented players either side of the boy in a stitch. So when we're out of possession, we need to be careful, definitely. But they are not at all convincing at the back. And if they're going to be without the boy hammer and they're playing a second option, then I have to... That leads me to think they're going to be you know, even more frail at the back. I think we showed in, in moments that we can definitely get at them. I think we also have to... Where this comes back to the point we've been talking about the last hour, we need to play to our attacker's strengths, obviously. So hopefully we can do that. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really, a really open game. I can see it being quite crazy. Um, you know, Christopher and Jonas talked about how it sounds like their approach to games is very much that Kevin Keegan, you score three, we'll score four kind of kind of mentality. I think they'll come at us probably the Today same. Today they scored of, two and Gothenburg scored four, so, you know. Doesn't always work. That's why nope. Kevin Keegan didn't win anything. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I can see it being being really crazy. Um, really high scoring game. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So nil-nil, that's the old kiss of death there. Thanks, Gav. And we go through on away goals. Thank you. <laughs> of course, away goals is not a thing anymore. Ah, fuck's sake. I know. I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I agree with, with Evan. I think if they come out and just try and play the way they did, I'm I think that will uh I think that'll be their downfall. I think we'll have a obviously a full house. If we can if we can start the game in a way that get you know keeps the crowd on board. Whether you know, hopefully that's just a few tackles flying in, or if we can create some chances. If we can get the crowd, like, hopefully it's not like Carabag. Well, like, no, right. you're right. Up I, no, I know. Um, I, oh yeah. fuck! Oh, we've left all of the space, <laughs> and now we're getting absolutely battered. Um, if we can get off to a a good start, I obviously 
the chances are we are going to concede. But I'm confident. I know today was pretty disappointing, but you look at the way we finished that game on Thursday. We've we are a, we've got good players and we've got a goal threat. And I don't think they're going to play in a way that they're maybe mindful of that. They're probably going to take the view that like you said that they'll be able to do more damage to us than we can do to them. So it's definitely it's got the potential to be quite an exciting game. Well, I messaged Christopher, Christopher messaged me after the game on Thursday and we were exchanging a few texts. And I was like, if you guys play the way you tried to play against us in Gothenburg, i.e. with whenever you've got the ball at the back and you're sitting half split and you try and play it like that, we'll murder you at Pataudry. Because I think I said to him, with all due respect, like we've played this season against Celtic, who play that way, and we gave them a really good run for it. And with all due respect to Hecken, Celtic are way better than, than Hecken are. And so if they continue to play that way and if we get our press right, which we started to get really on top of on Thursday night, we'll really... It reminded me a little bit on Thursday when we started to really get the press work in the first half. It reminded me a lot about that time when Mixi Patline and Kilmarnock came at Pataudry oh, and tried to play that way. And we scored like three goals in about an hour picking them off like that and they still kept doing it. And you were like, this is fucking mental, boys. Why are you still doing that? <laughs> That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen because we've literally got to the point where we just almost like stood in a line it's like they're going to pass it to us and we're in. And they did three times. <laughs> and it was like not being funny, but it was just like if you try to play that way, we will we will win on, on Thursday night if you keep playing like that. I just can't see any way that we don't take take the win if that happens. Um, but we do need to be mindful. They're decent up at the uh, at the top end. It would be a massive bonus for us, wouldn't it, if Sadiq happened to just depart between now and Thursday night? Especially if he was wearing red. <laughs> Uh, would, you would, liked him, didn't you? You were you were begging for a Davy Cormac to break open the Davy Dollars, and you think you would track back enough for right wing back? <laughs> um, it's a chance I'd be willing to take. Um, no, I thought he, he was he was good. He, he was good, but again, he's whether he's there or, the, or not. Uh, he maybe didn't do all the damage that people thought he was going to do last Thursday, and it'll be a different, it'll be a different approach on Thursday because I would expect us to be in the front foot more, given that we're at home and there's going to be a you know big crowd, really good atmosphere. So if he's there, fine. I'm sure we'll come up with a way of dealing with him. And obviously, if he's gone, that's definitely going to work in our favour. You never know. We might no. We can't register any players now, can we, for the return leg? They had to have been no. registered for the first game. So. Uh, Papa Habib Gay can't make it for that one, which is unfortunate. Never mind. Um, how do you think we do go about it, though? I mean, what do you think in terms of lineup? Do you think you'll go with the lineup that saw the game out in Gothenburg? Do you think he goes with something which we saw today at St. Mirren, where we try and keep it relatively kind of tight in that opening, in the opening 45 minutes? What, what do you think? How, how are we going to go about this one? There's kind of what I think we should do, just probably to go with that sort of lineup we had on the 70 minute kind of mark against Hecken with, you know, McGarry left wing back and McGrath in there and um, McDonald, Rubizic, you know, I would stick Jensen in, but I imagine what will probably happen is probably a team not overly dissimilar to what was on the pitch today, really. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's the best way of going about things. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're probably right. I would, I would probably want to see the team that finished the game on Thursday as you're starting to I don't know how fit everyone is for that but I would probably rather start with them and take the game to them with the hope that you're you've then got something to defend when you have to make your changes because maybe some of these guys can't last for anything I feel like it's 
it's maybe easier to change your team to contain than set out to contain and then bring your subs on to try and open the, the game up. So I would probably rather, I'd want us to start with our best available 11. And yeah. if it means running a couple of guys into the ground and subbing them out, you know, fine. I think that's better than trying to stay in it or sneak something and then take these guys on. Yeah. That's my view. We should start with our strongest 11. Yeah, I think we should uh, we should be taking it to them from the off. I think there's potential that we could really overwhelm them in the first half and win the game within the first half. And then, you know, yeah. that's when you can talk about rotation and saving legs. Yeah. The fans have got a big part to play on Thursday night, don't we? Um, full yep. house. Um, said it before, there's always something very, very special about a European <clears throat> occasion at Pataudry under the lights. It's just always that little bit different. Um but I think the fans really have to, A, I think that there needs to be the cauldron of noise, which I'm sure it will be, but the fans have to stay with the team a bit on Thursday night as well, don't we? I know that things have been a bit frustrating in the opening few games so far, but it's a massive opportunity. And we know that Pataudry, when it's rocking, can be a relatively intimidating place for people to play football. There'll only be a handful of heckin' fans in the ground. We know about, um, yeah, the, the fans, we've got a massive part to play, I think, on, on Thursday night, don't we? I would agree. Yeah, we we need to make the atmosphere very much like it was when we played Hearts last season, when we played Rangers and we beat them uh, 2-0. You know, it, the great thing is the tie is alive. You know, I think with Carabag maybe two years ago, it was that way, but they took it away from us in such quick fashion that the, the energy was just sucked out of the stadium within that first 15 minutes. Um, I think when it comes to Heck and the way we're playing, if we can attack the, the Red Shed end first, and they play out the way they are, and we can get on top of them, and the fans get on top of them as well. Naturally, that's just going to make them even more nervous uh, in what they're doing, and that's what I think we can really capitalise and just you know almost win the game, win the tie within yeah. those first forty-five minutes. Abrahamson, the, the heck and keeper, looked pretty shaky again. He's one of the only survivors from the five-one game um, last time round. He looks a bit ropey. I'd like to see us get down the flanks, get balls chucked in, corner kicks, free kicks right in on top of him early doors. Exactly. Get the ball into Boyan Miofsky because he showed that he's got the he's got the measure of the, the heck and centre backs. Yeah, absolutely. Um a bit annoyingly we just touched on another one. Away goal is not a factor any longer, which is annoying for us because the result, the two two draw, if away goals were a thing, would have been phenomenal um last time out. But it it's not to be predictions though, boys. Um are we gonna do it? Sorry, I'm distracted by trying to find you where just think about the carabag and I was wanting to know where how Stephen Glass's team were getting on. They got beat that, by Charleston Battery this weekend. I well, think. I did see that, but I can't. What league are they in? USL Pro <laughs> Championship. Or Low, Lowland game. League. Somewhere between Lowland League and Monday Night of Goals. It's at Darvel. Just talk amongst yourselves. How are the nines? I'm, 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 I'm now invested in how the 9 one are getting on. The 9 one Why is everything in America got to be so complicated? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Come on, what's happening here? Oh, they're fifth. There we go. Out, of, out of how many? Uh, Twelve. Well, in the Eastern Conference. How but, many teams from the West Coast are in that conference? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is, it's not as funny as I thought because they're doing quite well. So never Well, I mean, they're mid-table. I mean, it's, 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 no, not yeah, mid-table it's not great, really, is it? That's an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was a nice wee sidetrack there. Segway. Um... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pretty confident. Four one. Four one to the dandies. 
Boya Milsis he gets first hat trick in red colours and then he sews. <laughs> then then, then, <laughs> then, then, then a kiss farewell as he gets on a one-way plane to Southampton. <laughs> to be fair, if Boya scores a hat trick on Thursday night in Europa League, we can be he won't be going to Southampton at that point. Let's be honest. Four one gaff. How much have you been drinking tonight? Absolutely zero, thank you very much. Love stuff. Graham, come on. Prediction. You're obviously the voice of reason here. I'm going to say it's the conference league for the taunts. <laughs> okay, no, three two. Three two, <laughs> two. High scoring game. Three two dons. Love it. I'm I, I reckon we'll be comfortable. Uh three nil. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've just totally fucked this up. <laughs> yeah, we really fucked it. Yeah, just wait till the 67 minute mark when it's lemon. <laughs> difficult, difficult, lemon, difficult. difficult. Yeah, Duke with Duke with one, Soakler with one, and Mackenzie just to see if Gav celebrates. <laughs> he just implodes. And this is still. all going to happen. We're going to play about a total of six short passes, <laughs> and Barry Robson's going to unveil a t shirt that says, fuck you, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's going to say. Uh, Leighton Clarkson will score third. There we go. Nice and easy. And it'll be the Europa League for us. And then we'll get the draw on Friday. And it'll be like, oh, not entirely sure what that. No, that's what everyone else would be saying. <laughs> the team nobody wanted from pot four. <laughs> jokes aside, let's just hope we can get it done. Because I think there's a, obviously the ties in the balance, but there's a really, really good chance to get something pretty impressive out of this we can't really talk about it without tempting fate too much which is really annoying because obviously the next time we'll record we'll know what the group stage looks like because obviously the draws on friday afternoon i must admit i did go and have a wee look at the the, the pots the other day for the europa league and i had kind of mapped out my dream group but i don't we can't really talk about it can we that's no i think we've been bold enough with our score prediction so uh, let's that is tempting fate that is, too much. let's just park okay. that let's do that let's move on to talk about hibs put that in yeah. your drafts yeah for thursday night <laughs> even out I've, I've i've worked out a nightmare scenario in the conference league so yeah it's all it's all there good <laughs> thanks gav um let's move on to the hibs preview then because obviously it's a two game kind of week once again as we follow up our europa league tie with heck and with a second home league fixture of the season as currently on Sunday evening, managerless Hibs visit Pataudry. Hibs, of course, coming off the back of their second leg with Aston Villa in Europa Conference League qualifying. Uh, of course, that Diddy tournament that proper teams don't get involved in. Um, Hibs with a 3-2 defeat at home to Livingston on Saturday afternoon. Can we quickly just talk about the goal from Mo Sangari, the third goal for Livingston um, at the weekend? But like that a traction a, engine. That was a spicy meatball. I don't think Graham's seen it. No, I haven't seen it, but I can visualise it go with the up, description look, of that's a spicy meatball and feel like a traction engine. I enjoyed Davey Martindale just being like everyone in the stadium, including him, was shouting, don't shoot. <laughs> I can already imagine it now. And he had it anyway and it fucking flew in and it was it was good to be fair. Um, we'll carry on, Graham, and you can just give us your instant reaction once you've seen the goal. Hibs with the, the 3-2 defeat we just talked about, which means Hibs are currently sitting dead last in the Premiership, played three, lost three, four, five. That can't be right. Four, five? Well, that's meant to mean. Let's try that again. Played three, lost three, F5. It's four, four, five against eight. Sorry. There you go. Hibs, with what you can only describe as being a bit of a roller coaster start to the season so far, uh, defeat in 
Andorra to Interclub de Escalades, which of course gave us the first fucking boo of the season in the opening round of the Conference League. Was let's be honest, fucking funny. Although they reversed that by six goals to one at home for an opening day league defeat to St Mirren. Who gets beat by St Mirren? At East Road, an impressive, let's be honest, we'll give Hebs some credit where it's due, an impressive 5-3 win on aggregate over Luzerne of Switzerland, sandwiched a 2-1 defeat at Mundo in the league and a 2-1 win over Wraith Rovers in the League Cup, which then set up a 5-0 hammering by Aston Villa last week. A pretty busy transfer window down Leithway so far. Outbound, we've seen uh, Cabraya, who went to Rijeka. That's a hell of a move for a guy who's dog shit. <laughs> Just me? Uh, that's definitely trading up in the world. Yes, isn't it? Kevin Nisbet, who went to Millwall. Uh, well, there we go. Mikey Devlin at Livingston. Kyle McGuinness went to Kilmarnock. Runer Hauga. Runer Hauga, I think, was the... Is he the guy who's effectively the Jimmy Five Bellies to Elias Holf Melkerson? I believe that was the conversation, yes. Yeah, so Runer Hauga's on a free. Elias Holf Melkerson's off to Stromsgodzit on loan. Ewan Henderson's been loaned out to Ostende and Lee Johnson has been sent to the Trob Centre. So busy, busy window down Leithway. Inbound, uh, Johan's move from St. Gallen was made permanent. Adam LaFondra, who to me feels like he must be about 45 years old. That's Hibernian's version of Sergio Aguero, thank you very much. Yeah, joined in a free transfer for Sydney FC. Of course, we're seeing that now. I mean, we know what's going to happen next Sunday now off the back of that. Max Boric, who I think is related to Arthur Boric. I think he might be. Came from Slask Wrocław in Poland. He's a goalkeeper, isn't he? He came off he the is bench. He's a goalkeeper. Against, yeah. yeah, came off the bench that day. Jordan Obita from Wiccan Wanderers. What could ever go wrong with signing a defender from Wiccan Wanderers? Joseph Wallacott, a goalkeeper from Charlton Athletic, who presumably can't get anywhere near the team now if they've got Boric and Marshall. I don't know what's going on. Dylan Levitt from Dungeonite, who's crocked. Riley Harbottle from Knott's Forest. Will Fisher at Water from Man United on loan, and then Dylan Vente from Roda JC. Generally speaking, I don't. There's no point talking about what the Hibs have done so far because it's all about Lee Johnson. Um, there's been so much chopping and changing in his lineups. It's hard to understand what their strongest eleven is, what formation they might turn up in, and it's not even going to be Lee Johnson in charge next Sunday. So who knows? So far this season in the league, they've used four two three one, three five two, and four three three in the three league games to date so far. So no wonder. Turning up in his Aston Villa was like driving a Formula One car. He's fucking weird, isn't he, Lee Johnson? A very odd man. I'm definitely keeping tabs on where he rocks up next. Yeah, likewise. I enjoyed that he used the... Um, did you see his interview with Sky Sports News yesterday? Uh, the one that he walked out on. So you know how in Football Manager you have the option to like storm out of press conference? He hit that button, which was good. Never mind. In the league, Adam LaFondra has a top score with two. Christian Doidge, Josh Campbell and Martin Boyle sharing. Well, they don't share one each. They've got one each. Yeah, that'll be weird. Point three three of a goal. Someone <laughs> keeps it Monday to Wednesday and then Thursday to Sunday. Point three three of a goal is still 10 times the expected goals we had at Paisley this afternoon from Open Play, so maybe we shouldn't be taking the piss too much. Um, <laughs> Christian Doidge is also their top assist provider to date with two in the league. Um, make of that what you will. The five goals they've scored in the league means they're actually in the top three in terms of goals scored in the league this far. Eight conceded is by far the worst in the league. Hard to discern any real pattern about what's going on there this early in the campaign. On the face of it, they're probably going to be the ball a decent amount. They'll try to make passes rather than hit over the top of the defence. But who knows? David Gray might be in charge on Sunday. And I suspect if that happens, they'll just be smashing the ball long. I don't know. The The singer? Yeah, the singer of Babylon, man, is going to be in in the dugout. 
shaking his head. head. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd written all this stuff about them because I was like, you never know, they won't sack Lee Johnson, will they? But they have. I thought they would go full-blown Davy Cormack, Jim Goodwin, let's just get, let's just put this lamb out to the slaughter and take the absolute hiding that's coming this week at Villa Park. Yeah, that's why. And then maybe, maybe then, I mean, it's a strange, I mean, I get why they've done it, but it's a strange thing to do to sack a manager this early. (laughs) I don't don't know. I know, but the warning signs were there already. This isn't, you know, unforeseen that they would start off with an absolute shitter of a season. This is, the Under great this, guy. Irony, this is the great irony now, isn't it, about the kind of lose the Leafs town match that we all talked about back in February and that the, the big winner out of a Hib 6 Aberdeen nil game was Aberdeen. <laughs> because <laughs> if I knew the turn of East Road had beaten them off the back of Darville, Lee Johnson was gone in, in February. Uh, I'm not sure Jim Goodwin would have lasted till August. I don't think he would have lasted that long, but <laughs> Hibbs then persisted with Johnson for whatever fucking mental reason they decided to come up with. And they've kind of landed themselves where they are. That said, I think they've actually, on the whole, like they've obviously invested quite heavily in the summer. Um, Dylan Venti, I think, is coming for like the guts of three quarters to eight hundred thousand pounds. I think he's probably Hibbs' most expensive signing to date, which again feels a bit ballsy to give a guy eight hundred grand to spend and then sack him two games later. But well, more to the point, also, like no matter what they do, whoever they bring in is not going to have any time to change anything. You said there's like no hard to discern a clear pattern on what's going on with their season. It's not hard at all. They just can't defend. They can't defend. They're yeah, hips. And so naturally they can't defend. <laughs> They're still rocking Paul Hanlon at centre back for fuck's sake. Um yeah, very, very strange. I don't I think they're gonna struggle to get at any any kind of quality manager now. And it'll be fucking hilarious. That's the thing, isn't it? Because like you've seen, you know, Graham, you've seen Hearts and Aberdeen have both obviously sacked our managers towards the back end of last season. Both, I don't know, did both struggle to find a, a suitable candidate outside of their own four walls? Maybe I'm not so much in Aberdeen's st- case, because I think it was, we've already talked this to death, it was hard for Aberdeen to not give it to Robson. I, I think it is fair to say Hearts struggled. Yeah. Because you... A guy called Frankie McAvoy, of course they struggled. <laughs> or do they? <laughs> or do they? a guy called Stephen Naismith. I thought it was a guy um, called Gordon Forrest. Oh, <laughs> it's Craig Levy. Oh no, wait, no, he really has gone. Um, I think I think they probably did struggle a bit. So I, th- yeah, I don't know who's going to really who can they attract and who is going to want it because it's fair to say because <laughs> it's probably fair to say that both the Aberdeen and the Hearts jobs are more attractive or were more attractive than the Hibs job currently is. Right now, I would say so. Yeah. I would say so. I mean, hypothetically, if Robson or whoever is in charge at Hearts goes tomorrow, you know, they're, they're not quite the laughing stock that maybe Hibs are currently. So there's a bit more stability to come into. I mean, whoever comes into that Hibs job has a squad that may or may not be up to the job and can't do anything about it until at least January now. So you're, you're almost like, why would you, why wouldn't you take until January? Because in January, you might be able to do something with it. Um, the danger is it all falls apart before that and then you get booted out if you're the new boy so it's probably going to be quite tricky for them what what do we expect to see them from I mean all, all things being equal probably David Gray I'd imagine who is in charge when they come to uh, Pataudry next Sunday um, he had a small spell didn't he in charge on an initial basis I feel, I feel he's between, done this a couple times now hasn't he I feel so did he do it between Jack Ross and Sean Maloney and then did it between Maloney and Johnson that sounds familiar yeah um, 
if that's the case, I would imagine, and this is me purely hypothesizing because he was a defender, we'll see them come here and try to be solid. I, th- I think it could maybe even depend on what he, how he chooses to approach Villa. Does he just go with an absolute, you know, reserve team and take the inevitable hammering? It's a hard try and salvage some pride, play the strongest team, and maybe you'll go up against Villa's reserve team. And I don't think you you might come up with a battling team. I don't know. So I uh, I don't think you can go to Birmingham and play like a second strength side and get absolutely smashed. I think he has to play his best team at Villa Park. Well, they're going to be chasing the ball for a lot of that night, man. I'm not um, sure they will get smashed because Villa aren't going to put a real team out. Even then, I, I reckon still the under class. will probably smash them. So. There's still a golf in class, but I'm not sure. I mean, the job's already well and truly done, so I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, I think it might be the case of, you know, not, not uh, putting but... down the other team too much, and John I... McGinn will have a few words. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really know what to expect of them. It's really hard. Either. Like I say, I'd, I'd written all this stuff down about the way they play, and I'm like, it's completely out of the fucking it's window. It's kind of irrelevant now, yeah. It's one of them where I look at their team, and I don't think this is a case that it's simply Lee Johnson. That's, you know, the issue. I think that there's a real issue with their squad. There's no and real that, balance to their squad at all when yeah. you look at it. Like, it's, they're, they're just... It's so obvious to look, say, they're just their hips. They're just yeah. so soft. <laughs> defensively, so they look, defensively, they look suspect. The midfield's got no real grit about it at all i don't think no they've got some good attacking options like johan boyle and like the boy venti's coming in he's venti's got a good scoring record in holland he's coming and scored a few goals straight off the bat you know they've got a decent looking forward line but at the back they just look fucking horrendous you'd feel pretty confident that confident we'll get at them but on the flip side they'll cause us problems I'd expect they'll do what they tend to do, which is they'll play very direct, get the ball over the top for Martin Boyle to run onto and see what happens from there. Um, with regards to their midfield and their their defence, if this is a game where we can't really stamp our authority on it, then I'd start start to get concerned about the makeup of our team. And I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think that'll happen. I think we're going to be I think we're going to be quite dominant in this game. Yeah, I'm hoping we come into this game full of confidence after a, a big win in midweek and really kind of kick our season off at this point. But... On that point, just uh, a quick prediction then for next Sunday, Aberdeen versus Hibs at Pataudry in the Cinch. Obviously, we'll be resting players, rotating the squad, uh, because Barry Robson will be listening to Graham on this show. So, uh, second string team, comfortable 2-0 victory for Aberdeen. Esther Stockler with a double. Uh, 2-1, Aberdeen. I'm going to say the same, uh, 2-0 Aberdeen as well. well. We'll comfortably just dispatch with Hibs and send them back on their merry way again. Um, Steve Evans to be spotted in the main stand. Ah, oh, Jesus. I'm just with, with, a, with, a, with a triple pie deal. Fucking amazing. The triple pie. The Steve Evans. Introduced <laughs> for one game and one game only. The triple threat. Yeah. <laughs> Three way the only, dance. The only, they only accept brown envelopes for payment for it. <laughs> anyway, there we go. That wraps up for this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow what you might, you might do on your podcast. Player of choice. Boys, will we do Europa League or Conference League draw will be on Friday? Will we do a quick reaction to the draw? Friday? What time it is. It'll be the usual one o'clock Central European time. So you may have to get on your lunch break, Graham. Well, depending on how much faffing around there is to, this time, I might be able to watch it live. So <laughs> There's yeah, a lot of faffing can, about. Uh... Oh, by the way, can we just say, by the way, the Europa League theme tune goes hard. It is banging. I want to hear that, Pataudry. Coming through the tannoys which I won't be able to hear, obviously. 
Yeah, because what it needs is some real thick distortion. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, what it needs is real tinny distortion. It's not a thick distortion. It's not a nice beefy distortion. It's a distortion pedal with a treble pit thrown all the way up. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we can do a little a wee reaction to that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's try and do that. And then we'll follow that up with another show next week as we look back on all the news. We'll review um, those games from next week where we play Hecken, where we play Hibs. And then we'll preview where we're doing the week after. Who do we play the week after? Is it Hearts? I feel like it's Hearts. Is it Hearts? Let's have a look. I haven't written anything. It is. It's an away trip to Hearts. Happy days. There we go. Play Stevie, Frankie, Gogsy, or Paul Gallagher's Hearts. And Budge's Hearts. We'll see you then. Stanford. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!